Again, it is so good to have all of our guests here today. We're, we count it a, a privilege that God would lead you our way. We, we also have a, a special guest. I think he's a special guest here with us today. Brother Roger Gott, uh, who's one of our cooperative program missionaries with the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. Uh, he went with us on our recent trip, he and Brother Danny, to the Dominican Republic. And also, Brother Roger was the one, I remember I told you last week that uh, we sent our old chairs, all Magnolia, Smackover, Mountain Home, Forest City. Uh, Brother Roger was the one who helped us get in touch with those new churches that are just starting so that we could uh, bless them uh, with our chairs. Roger, it's good to have you here with us today. We welcome you to Indian Springs. Hey, if you have your Bibles today, I want to go ahead and encourage you to, to turn to, uh, to 1 Corinthians. Okay, 1 Corinthians, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. You know, I don't know about you, but uh, I know that uh, Tom is like a cat on a hot tin roof, right? He wants to be here today, you know. He wishes, after that singing, I know he wishes he could be. I, I halfway expected that like halfway through they'd be bringing him in on a stretcher, you know, and letting him stand up here and preach because he wants to be here today. And, I, and I, I, I appreciate him and his desire to be here. Reminded me of a, of a story. I was listening to a CD uh, this week of, of a preacher preaching. And he, he was preaching to preachers and, you know, and trying to encourage them. And, and he told a story. It was an old story of a preacher that lived a number of years ago. But it just seemed like in his ministry... Uh, just, just things just never seemed to quite work out, you know. And he was feeling a little discouraged, a little frustrated, almost as if maybe, you know, things just kept passing him by. And, and he was walking along a beach and just very despondent. And he looked down and he, he, he saw this, uh, <clears throat> this vase or this something and he, and he picked it up. And as he was picking it up and brushing it off, a, a genie came out of the lamp. And the genie said to him, I'm going to give you three wishes. And he thought, finally, finally, this is, my, this is my lucky day. And he said, well, Jeannie, I know exactly what I want. He said, all my life, I've had to, I've had to preach in small churches and, and you know, run down buildings. I want for my church, I want a brand new, nice, state-of-the-art sanctuary worship center. And the, the, the Jeannie said, you got it. And all of a sudden, there was this big, nice church building in which for him to preach and then as he said well for my second wish I know what I want he said all my ministry I've had to I've had to drive old worn out cars that would barely run I want me a brand new Mercedes Benz and boom there it was brand new nice and shiny Mercedes Benz and the genie said to him well preacher you got one more wish what do you wish for and he said, well, hang on, it's my last wish. Do you mind if I, if I think about it just a little bit? And so uh, the genie said, no, that's, you know, that's all right. He said, in fact, let me go back to my room and think about it. And so as he was walking back to his room and he was sitting there thinking, he only had, he only had one more wish and the TV was on in the background. And you know how when you hear things on the, on the TV, you know, it comes to your mind and sometimes if it's like a little jingle, you'll just sing along with it. And he heard this commercial on TV, and so he just started singing, I wish I was an Oscar Mayer wiener. Brother Tom wishes he was here today. After that joke, you probably wish he was here too, right? You know, all week, we've been, we've been talking about, all month, we've been talking about leadership and about God raising up leaders in the church. But you know, ultimately, as we talk about leadership, as, as the church of God, we ought to be a spirit-led church, right? 
The Holy Spirit, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through His Holy Spirit, ought to lead us in everything that we do and in every action that we undertake. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, uh, there's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. We're going to read for 1 Corinthians here in just a moment. But in Acts 9, 31, it says, Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Now notice the church at Acts. They were, they were led by the Spirit of God. And notice what it says over and over and over again about the New Testament church as they were led by the Spirit. They were unified. They were in one accord. They were edified. They were constantly being built up. And then they were multiplied as they reached out to more people. The Lord was adding to their number daily those who should be saved. We see that throughout the New Testament. And I think any time you have a church that is led by the Spirit of God, that church will be unified, it will be edified, and it will be multiplied. Not so in the church at Corinth. In, in fact, if we were to take time to, uh, to, to read all of 1 Corinthians, we would find if there was ever a church in a mess, it was the church at Corinth. Paul himself had started the church when he was on his second missionary journey. He stayed there about 18 months as uh, he was uh, building up the church and discipling the believers and, and, and winning the lost and things were going good and then Paul left. Well, a couple of years later, Paul was now pastoring at the church at Ephesus. And he got word from Corinth that things were not good. And so Paul sat down to, to write them a letter that you and I have today as 1 Corinthians. Now, now any time that, that, we, that we read uh, one of Paul's letters, we, we know that it has a, it has a, a personal application for the, for the church in that day. It has a corporate application for that church and for our church. But then also it has a personal practical application for you and me. And I think from the bad example that we find from the church at Corinth, we can understand a little more about what it means to be spirit-led. So if you'll take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians, right after the book of Romans, you'll find 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And let's go ahead and read, start reading in verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Would you stand with me as we read God's Word together? Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you. And that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, and, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. Lest anyone should say that I'd baptized in my own name. Oh yeah, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved... It is the power of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the power of the gospel. I thank you that the Apostle Paul was not ashamed of that gospel. 
Because he knew that that was the only way that men, women, boys, and girls could be saved by hearing the word and receiving the word and responding to that word. Thank you, Lord, for the, the way that, uh, that you speak to us today through the Apostle Paul. Lord, help us to take the words of the Apostle Paul, knowing that they were divinely inspired by you, and apply them to our lives so that we will be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to share with you today, uh, in just a little bit of time that we have together, I want to share with you some characteristics of a spirit-led church. A church that is unified and edified and, and multiplied. Because in, in the church at Corinth, everything but that was going on. You see, if we're going to be a spirit-led church, first and foremost, we must be Christ-centered. It's all about Jesus. Now, now what was it about in the church at Corinth? Well, they were, they were divided. And in the church at Corinth, they were divided into at least four camps because they were personality-driven. Okay? There was a group of people in the church at Corinth that says, hey, we're of Paul. We're followers of Paul. Maybe, maybe they were the group that uh, were part of the charter members when Paul started the church. And, and they remembered how it used to be when it was just a few people and they were just starting out and, and they were meeting in homes and everybody knew everybody and knew everybody's business. Maybe they were predominantly Gentiles because Paul predominantly was a minister to the Gentiles. and So maybe they didn't have a, a Jewish background or a, a Hebrew background. And so they were still in Paul's camp. Others say, well, no, we're with Apollos. You see, after Paul left, a young man by the name of Apollos went to be the pastor there at the church at Corinth. And Apollos, the scripture tells us, and history tells us, was a great orator, a great preacher, a real intellectual guy. And, and a lot of people probably thought, well, you know, Paul was all right, and he got the church started. But it was Apollos that came in here with his preaching. He, he really got the church to the next level. And, and we're followers of Apollos. And then there was another group that said, oh, no, we follow Cephas. Now, Cephas was the Aramaic name of a person that we know better as Peter, one of, the, one of the 12 apostles. Now, we have no record of Peter ever pastoring in Corinth or even going to Corinth. But there were a group there, maybe it was the Jewish believers that had come to Corinth, but they liked Peter. You know, some people don't like the present pastor or the last pastor. They're looking for the next pastor, right? And so this group was probably saying, hey, if we could just get Peter in here, he'd straighten this mess out. And then there was still a fourth group, as if three groups wasn't enough. They were divided four ways. There was one group that says, oh, well, we're just of Christ. In other words, they were just going to cut out the middleman. Okay? They didn't want any pastor. Okay? They just said, hey, we're just going to follow Christ directly. It, it's, it's like those people that say, hey, I'm a Christian. I don't need to go to church to, uh, to worship God. I don't need to go to church to serve God. I can just, you know, it's just me and God right here in the deer stand, right here on the golf course, right here in the living room. It's just me and God. I don't need a preacher. Reminds me of a story that I heard that a Methodist bishop, one day he was, he was sending out, you know, in the Methodist church, they, they send their pastors out to, to churches. And, and there was a church way out in the country, way out there, a little small church. And every pastor that he would send out there to them, they didn't like him. I mean, at the end of a year, they'd say, hey, we don't like this guy, send us somebody else. They never liked anybody. 
year after year. Finally, there was a young man that came in to pastor, and, and he was fresh out of seminary. He didn't have any experience. He, he really couldn't preach. He didn't know a whole lot about the Bible. He didn't know anything about how to minister to people. He just had no experience. And the, and the bishop thought, I don't know what I'm going to do with this guy. And he thought, well, I'll just, send him out. I'll just send him out there to this little church. They don't like anybody anyway. And at least he'll have a year's experience. And after a year, then I'll send him on to another church. Well, to the bishop's surprise, at the end of the year, the church called and said, hey, can we keep this pastor for another year? The pastor said, well, sure, you, you can keep him another year. Well, at the end of two years, when it was time to change pastors again, they said to the bishop, hey, can we keep this pastor another year? And the bishop said, well, sure, you can keep another year, but would you mind me asking you why? I've sent you good preachers. I've sent you great pastors. I've sent you some very scholarly folks out there, and you didn't like any of them. And then I send this guy out here who had no experience whatsoever. I really didn't even know if he would make it in ministry, and now you're wanting him to stay a third year. What's the deal? And they said, well, you know, Bishop, we really didn't want a pastor anyway. And this guy's near nothing as we'll ever find. <laughs> well, there were folks in the church at Corinth that they didn't even think they needed a pastor. And so you had, you had about four groups that were divided. They were, they were personality driven. And Paul said, wait a minute. This can't be. This word that I'm hearing from you, it can't be. Was, was, is Christ divided? In other words, you're the body of Christ? Remember in the old days when, when they, would, they would execute people and torture people by quartering them? And basically you had the body of Christ at Corinth and they were quartered. And Paul is saying, wait a minute, is, is, is the body of Christ divided? You're, you're saying in the name of Paul, did, did I baptize you in the name of Paul? What, what, was, was I crucified for you? They weren't Christ-centered. Paul said, hey, you've got to be Christ-centered. Not personality driven. You know, and in our day, sometimes divisions can come even among staff members. You know, in multi-staff church, some folks say, well, you know, I, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm with the worship pastor. And others say, well, I'm with the student pastor. And others, I'm with the children's pastor. And, and I'm with the small groups pastor or whatever. And, and everybody divides up among staff. Sometimes even in a church that's program driven, that can almost be like a division because everybody's fighting for the same calendar and the same space and the same budget and the same volunteers. Instead of a church being unified, working together, they're, they're, they're pulled in, in so many different directions. Paul said a spirit-led church is not personality-driven, it's not program-driven, it's not staff-driven, it is Christ-centered. It's all about Jesus and who He is. And he wrote to the church at Corinth and he said, Hey, what you're doing is not right. It's not about me, it's not about Apollos, it's not about Peter. It's about Christ. Now, now, don't misunderstand, unity does not mean uniformity. Unity and uniformity are two different things. We're, we're not all alike. Have you noticed that as you look around? We don't all look the same. We have different backgrounds. Even Jesus and his apostles, he had, he had fishermen and he had tax collectors. That's the beauty of the church. You see, only in the church can the bank president and the homeless person sit side by side and be equal in the eyes of God. The world may assign different value to the bank president than it, than it does to the homeless man, but in the body of Christ, in the church of God, hey, the ground's always level. It's always equal at the, body, in, at the cross. Doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, old or young. 
Doesn't matter where you live or what you drive or what you do. In the body of Christ, we're all one. We're not all the same. But we're all one. Because we're Christ-centered. We're, we're, we're unified. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Think about it, even right here in our church in Indian Springs. Think of all the different backgrounds we have, even religious backgrounds. We've got folks here who grew up Methodist. We've got folks here who grew up Baptist, all the different flavors of Baptist. We've got folks who grew up Pentecostal and Assembly and Catholic and all those kinds of things. And yet God, in His perfect plan and His infinite wisdom, He has put us all together into one family, into one body. And so it doesn't matter our backgrounds. We're all one. I was reading something the other day from Kyle Eidelman, and, uh, and he asked this lady what her church background was, and she said, well, I grew up a Christer. And he said, now, I've heard a lot of different, of a lot of different religions, but I've never heard of a Christer. What is a Christer? Oh, well, we went to church on Christmas and Easter. We got a lot of those folks too, right? So it doesn't matter if, if you've gone to church all your life or if this is the very first time in the body of Christ where we, we can be unified without being uniform. God loves variety. That's why he placed us here with all of our different gifts and all of our different abilities. But he puts us here together and he makes us one. Think about it for a moment. Uh, only God could do this. Put us all in one body. Okay? For instance, most of you here, you love to call the hogs, don't you? I mean, you, you love to do this. Some of you just want to break out in a chant right now, even while we're talking about it. Okay? But we have some in our body, those are the ones smiling today, that are, say, war eagle. Okay, we had a couple of those in the early service. We've got some that like to wear purple and gold and, and say, go Tigers and spell it wrong. Okay, we got folks like that. We, we, we got people that like to have hotty toddies in the grove in, down in Oxford, you know, and say, go Rebels or, or go Ole Miss. We've even got a few spiritual folks who say, roll tide, even here in the midst, right here in our church. A lot of different people. But yeah, oh yeah, but don't, don't ever leave out the Texans. All right, hook them horns. Only in the church could God put all of those people together and unify them and make them one. Why? Because of Jesus. That, that's, that's what we have in common. That's who we have in common. Help me out. I'm going to count to three and you say Jesus all together. Okay, one, two, three. Jesus. Let's do it again. One, two, three. One more time. One, two, three. Jesus. Jesus, that's who it's all about. We're Christ-centered in everything that we do. It doesn't matter where we work Monday through Saturday. It doesn't matter where we live. It doesn't matter where we're from. It doesn't matter who we cheer for. It doesn't matter because in the, a church that is led by the Spirit, we all have the same Spirit living within us, don't we? And we're all Christ-centered. It's all about Him. A spirit-led church is a, is a Christ-centered church. But I want you to notice something else about the church. It's multiplied, excuse, edified. It is uh, multiplied and it's unified. But I want you to focus on that middle one, the edification. You see, a spirit-led church is not only Christ-centered, but it is Bible-based. What did Paul say in verse 17? For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
And notice chapter 2, verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul said, hey gang, y'all majoring on the minors. Y'all getting all upset over secondary things. A spirit-led church is Christ-centered and a spirit-led church is Bible-based. That means that the Word is primary. Paul kept the main thing, the main thing. See, a, a body like this, when we come together, we're going to have a lot of opinions on things. And there are going to be some issues that, that we disagree on. But it's the body of Christ where the Bible speaks, we speak. Where the Bible's silent, we're silent. When it comes to the Word of God, everything is Bible-based, based on the Word of God, everything that we do. But notice what divided the church there in Corinth. It wasn't a biblical issue. Now, they had some biblical issues. You read the rest of 1 Corinthians, they had some serious biblical issues that Paul was going to address and Paul was going to deal with. But that wasn't the cause of their division. They were dividing over something that was, that was secondary. It wasn't a doctrinal issue that divided them. About five years ago, a survey was done among churches about, about what causes division in the church. Anybody want to guess what the number one issue was? Do what? Money, that made the top three. Do what? Carpet, that was on the list. Anybody else? Music. Kind of music. That should, be, that should be had in the church. That was the number one dividing factor in the church. Nothing to do with Scripture, but over the style of music. Everybody thought their style was the best style, the right style, the one style, right? Music. Number two was the leadership style of the pastor. And number three was how the money was spent. But there were other things that made the list. Things like how you're supposed to dress for worship. That was a divisive issue in some churches. The... Uh, the furnishings and the color of the sanctuary was another dividing issue. All of those things, not primary, secondary issues. You see, church, when we talk about unity, when we talk about being Christ-centered and Bible-based, we don't have to see eye to eye on everything to walk hand in hand. We don't even have to always be on the same page as long as we're in the same book. As long as everything that we do comes out of the leadership of the Holy Spirit as we read Scripture and pray to God for guidance and wisdom. The Word is primary. And Paul said, all I did was I, I just came here to preach. And his message was simple. It was the message of the cross. It was Christ and Him crucified. That was his message. He wasn't trying to entertain. He wasn't trying to amaze. He wasn't trying to dazzle anybody. He was just preaching the gospel. You've heard me say it before. I'm convinced that much, if not most, of what churches are trying to do today, God never intended for us to do in the first place. He never gave us the mission. He never called us to be in the entertainment business. A.W. Tozer, a missionary alliance pastor that died 50 years ago, wrote this about his day. 
first part of the 20th century. He said, in our culture today, our churches are filled with a soft breed of Christians who require a constant diet of fun in order to keep them coming back. Wow. If he were alive today, <laughs> what would he say? Because the trend has not stopped. The trend has gotten worse. As if we, we've got to invent things. If the Word of God won't reach people, and if the Word of God won't keep people, then they're not here for the right reason. And we're not doing what God called us to do as His church. We must be Christ-centered. We must be Bible-based. Many churches today, they want to be Bible-like. They, they just want to throw in a little bit of the Bible but, but, and then just focus on, on other feel-good stuff. You see, telling people what they want to hear, that might grow your crowd, but it won't grow your church. And the two are mutually exclusive. The crowd and the church are not one and the same. A spirit-led church is Christ-centered. A spirit-led church is, is, is Bible-based. But I want you to notice that a spirit-led church is also ministry-minded. Remember that church in Acts chapter 9, verse 31? They were unified. They were edified. They were multiplied. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you'll turn there just a moment, Paul has, you know, he... He's like a preacher. He chased a rabbit and got into a sermon. And now he comes back to his point there in, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3. He said, For you are still carnal, for where there is envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, or, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believe, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, for each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers. Paul's saying, I still don't understand why you guys are divided. And he uses a, an, an analogy of the, of the harvest. He talked about the, 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 the gospel and, and, and the work of the church as being like that of, of working in a field. And there's the planting of the seed, and then there's the cultivating of the soil, and then there's the watering of the plants, and then, then finally there's the, the harvesting of the fruit. And Paul said, I don't know why you're getting all upset about Apollos and me, because, hey, all we are is field hands. All we are is called by God and, and we've been placed in His field to work. We didn't make anything grow. We planted. We watered according to our individual gifts and our individual abilities and the time that God had us here. But it was always God who gave the increase. There was a diversity in ministry there. But He said, hey, Apollos and I, hey, we were just faithful servants. We just did what God assigned us to do. But notice in that diversity there was always unity because it was a part of God's plan. It was a, it was a part of what God was doing and, and how He was working in that church. And, they, and they, they said to Him, Hey, 
we're just workers. And each one of us will receive our reward according to our labor. It's not about who gets the credit. It's not about whose name is at the top. Paul said, hey, it's not about me. Not about us. It's all about him. You see, when we're Christ-centered, when we're Bible-based, we'll be ministry-minded. Because all around us, we see a field that God has called us to work. When I was a little boy growing up on a farm in the country, there were a, there were a lot of old houses that were around that were vacant. And it was great for us as kids because it was a great place to play and build forts and do all those kinds of things. Most of those houses have either burned or fallen down or been torn down. They're not there anymore. But, but those were houses that, that at one time, before my time, that sharecroppers had lived in or field hands had lived in. And, and they would be right out in the middle of the field. And I've often wondered, wow, they didn't have much of a commute to work. They just stepped out the front door and they were in the field. They were right there, right in the, right in the middle of it. And you know, in the church, in the body of Christ, that's where we are. We, we, we don't have to go overseas to find our field. We don't, we don't have to go across the states to find our We just walk out these doors. We walk out on our front porch at home. We walk into the doors of the office or the store where we work. We, we walk into the school where we attend. We're in our field. And the Spirit always leads the church of God to the work, to the field. Paul said, Apollos and I, we just did what God called us to do, but it was always God who brought the growth because he's the Lord of the harvest, right? But the Lord of the harvest, I believe, always honors the law of the harvest. Because when we plant and when we cultivate and when we water, God will give an increase. A lot of churches are sitting around today wondering where the harvest is. But they're not doing any planting. They're not doing any cultivating. They're not doing any watering. <laughs> and they wonder why no harvest. God causes the growth, but he uses us to plant, to cultivate, and to harvest. See, Paul said, hey, we're going to all receive our reward one day. Our reward's not in this life, gang. There's a lot of prosperity gospel out there, but you can turn that off. Our reward's not in this life. Our reward's in heaven. That's where we're going to spend eternity. And Paul said, hey, I'm not worried about any credit down here. I wasn't trying to get people to follow me. I wanted them to follow Jesus. I'll get my reward one day. You see, that's what we're called to be. We're called to be field hands. You know what divides in the church? Pride divides. Paul warned the church at Corinth, hey, you guys don't need to be thinking more highly of yourselves than you ought to think. My grandmother had a saying, she used to say, I wish I could buy him for what he's worth and sell him for what he thinks he's worth. Sometimes in the body of Christ, we can get the feeling like that. And we can think about all that we're doing and how important we are. I'll close with this little poem. 
And someone wrote, it's called the indispensable man. Sometime when you're feeling important, sometime when your ego's in bloom, sometime when you take it for granted that you're the most qualified in the room, sometimes when you feel that you're going would leave an unfillable hole, just follow these simple instructions and see how they humble your soul. Take a bucket and fill it with water. Put your hand in it up to the wrist. Pull it out, and the hole that's remaining is a measure of how you'll be missed. Oh, you can splash all you wish when you enter. You may stir up the water galore, but stop, and you'll find that in no time it looks quite the same as before. The moral of this quaint example is do just the best that you can. Be proud of yourself, but remember. There's no indispensable man. Not about us, is it? When we're spirit-led, we will be Christ-centered. We follow Him. When we're spirit-led, we will be Bible-based. Our priority will be to hear the man of God preach the Word of God. When we're spirit-led, we'll be ministry-minded. It won't be about sitting on chairs. It'll be about working in these fields to which God has called us. Let's pray. Father, thank you.